Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a De Beer. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. We're the show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. Uh, I'm Reg Roberts and joining me once again tonight is Hugh Cavill. How are you, Hugh? I'm um, good, Reg. Good to have you back. Hope, hope you're feeling a bit better. I am, mate. We'll see how my uh, my throat holds out. I, I appreciated the uh, the kind and, and not so kind words last week. I appreciate it. And uh, Jamie Miller joining us again. How are you, Jamie? I'm very good, Reg. It's good to have you back. You know, it's, it's amazing what the physios can do with major injuries these days. You know, it looks like a, something serious and all of a sudden you just miss a week and, you know, you're, you're back and fighting fit. It's fantastic to see. Yeah, well, the, you know, the pain, the, the injections help and all that sort of stuff and just taking it one week at a time, but I'm, uh, I'm backing myself to, uh, to, to see us through tonight. So, well, who, it's, who, it's, it's good. How, how could I miss? So on, I, was, I was saying, Reg, it's good that we've, you know, you've obviously spent some of our medical budget, but but there wasn't much left. I mean, because for years it's just been spent on dental surgery for Matt. Um, so now he finally had another use for it, which is obviously, uh, you know, your throat, which which is clearly I- integral to this to this podcast. Um, so good that it's finally being spent on something useful. Glad you went the dental way. I was going to talk about advanced hair, but no, but it's, it's good. Yeah, I'm happy. And why, why wouldn't I want to be back? It was uh, it was a remarkable weekend of rugby in Australia, and there's lots to talk about. Um, and let's get straight through it. So our burning questions tonight, no guest tonight. Uh, we're straight into five burning questions amongst ourselves. So they are, uh, question one, are we happy with Saturday's game? Uh, question two, uh, who are your Wallaby standouts? Question three, will this be the start of a Wallaby resurgence? Question four, NRC kicks off this weekend. What are we most looking forward to in the NRC this year? Question five, what caught your eye around the grounds? Plenty of rugby happening elsewhere as well. So let's get straight to it. Uh, Hugh Cavill, you can lead us off. Are you happy with Saturday's game? Result, performance, uh, all those sorts of things. Look, at the time, I, um, I, uh, I probably wasn't. You know, it's it's just that, that pain of losing in such such inglorious fashion Um you know, was uh, was pretty hurtful and and uh, emotionally uh, gutting, I would suggest. But I think in the cold light of day, as I've had a chance to watch a replay and, and uh, consider it a bit more, I think I, I am happy with it, Reg. And uh, I think something I said on the site was was you know we we put the boot into the team sometimes when they win in a in a fashion that we think is is not uh, sufficient where you know yep. example cool. against Italy or a few of the tests yep. last year where we won ugly and you know it's possible to play badly and win and i think the flip side's also true it's possible to play well and lose and that's definitely i think where we were on uh, on saturday which was you know, we played a, a, a pretty good, good game. We scored, you know, more tries than we have scored in a long time uh, against New Zealand, in New Zealand. Um, and, you know, we gave it a red-hot go. And, and and unfortunately, the result didn't go away. And, and obviously, there's some um, things that we can improve upon, um, as, as there always is. But I think fundamentally, um, you know, our performance was good. And so, so re- despite the results, I, I am happy with it. Excellent. And we'll delve into more details about the game in a second. Jamie, you, your sense of the game, uh, both, I guess, immediately post-game and, and where we sit now a few days afterwards. 
Yeah, I, I don't know what Hugh's talking about with the with the you know the losing. I just stopped my recording at the seventy eighth minute, and um, <laughs> if if you do it that way, um, Kurtley Beale looks like Rocky with like blood dripping down his face, and he scores under the posts, and he hacks it off into the crowd, and 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 that leaves me feeling great. I, I watched it again yesterday, and one of the all time great Wallaby wins. Um, but, but, Look, I mean, you I, say that, but it's quite ironic because I think wasn't the game delayed because the lights went off and something. I've I've run into more than one person who were busy, set the time, set the record to record the game. We're watching it later. The record finished early because of the late start of the game, and they missed the last ten minutes, which would just be uh, <laughs> horrific for them. Well, I mean, look, I, I I largely agree with you. I think. You know, there's two different ways to look at this. On the one hand, we still did concede five tries, which is just way too many tries mm. to be conceding in, in test rugby. Um, the, the, you know, we were, but on the other hand, we were dominant in all but three areas of the game. Um, the first was obviously goal kicking. Um, and I do think we should cut Bernard a little bit of slack because he hit the post three times, which is very skillful. Um, <laughs> the second is, scrums where, you know, we've really worked on our scrumming in the last couple of years to a point where, you know, we're often dominant um, and our scrums were just hideous. I mean, they were absolutely awful all the time. And the All Blacks scored two tries directly from very simple first phase stuff around the fringe of the scrum because our eight guys had to keep pushing. So that was a really important influence. And the third one was kickoffs where, again, we sucked, um, uh, particularly when we were receiving our kickoff work was terrible. Despite all of that, the heart shown by the guys, and that's the word that I kept coming back to, just the heart, the commitment, the effort, the, the just the huge desire to make the defence a point of pride was so inspiring. And there was something about watching that Wallaby team on the weekend that really made me feel like it was the late 90s or the early 2000s again. There was just the pride in the jersey was there for all to see and um the way that Kurtley scored that try and the passion on his face um was just deeply inspiring and I hope a lot of kids out there are watching and saw that and thought oh that that's the wallabies that people remember um so overall that's the feeling I take away from it yeah it's interesting I I caught a a little bit of flack on social media uh being not happy with the loss. I'm not happy with the loss. But, mate, for that, the effort, like you say, Jamie, the heart, the improvement over a week, and probably more significantly the hope it's given me moving forward. I, I'm still on a bit of a high from that game. You know, it feels odd, and I don't I don't want to accept a loss. And I know, you know, Jack has come out and said something similar. But it was just such a different performance and maybe because I had such low expectations, particularly when Adam Coleman was ruled out, um, such low expectations on how we'd go over there. Um, And that first, what was it, 15 minutes or not even that when we're up 17-0, I I haven't felt like that in a Wallaby All Black game legitimately probably since that that World Cup semi-final with Mortlock and um, and the intercept when... I remember just being dumbstruck again. That was a game I never expected to would be in 
in with a hope with I think we'd beaten been beaten by fifty points the last time the previous time we played the All Blacks, and that try and the close it went into the game. It, 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 I remember just laughing, but almost maniacally thinking, "How are we winning this game?" And it was almost like that with each try. You know, Izzy gets the intercept, and you know that's always a bit of a worry when you score a, an early try versus the All Blacks, get particularly against the run of the play. It, you, you know, you, you feel it might sort of inspire them or ignite them. But then, then we backed it up with the second try, and then we backed it up with the third try, and and it was just, you know, it was, it was unbelievable. It was like it was all some sort of fanciful dream, um, and and in the end, it it didn't end up the way it could have. But it, it, the fact that we didn't lay down and we let them back in the game, it's frustrating. We let them score tries, easy tries, and so on, and those points you talk about, Jamie, you know, killed us, um, particularly when the previous week the scrum was strong. In the, the previous week, the, the goal-kicking was 100%. Uh, um, it's, a, it's a real coach killer and, I guess, supporter killer. But th- there was just so much positive out of that game to love, and, I'm, you know, it, we'll get to it soon, but it's, it it's makes the rest of the season a little bit more meaningful. Well, I think, I think Reg, um, and I'm not sure if you'd agree with me on this, but, you know, I... I watched the last sort of 20 minutes in a pub, and and, and I think when you, when you bring it back to, to why we do this, why we watch this game and why we love it, is it's just it's just a fantastic game to watch. And when you see a truly great game of rugby, regardless of, of the scoreline and who wins and loses, everyone, you know, it's it's such an exhilarating experience. And when I was in the pub, you know, and you could just you could just feel the reaction that actually people walking down Oxford Street where I was were, were coming in because they saw the rugby was close and there was this great sort of communal um, um, sense of pride and highs and lows and riding them together and everyone felt that this was something special and that's been backed up you know by in the analysis in the days after and in the TV ratings which were spectac- you know which weren't spectacular but were were good for for what the for what the game was um, and just yeah the general a reaction on social media that that this was a truly great game of rugby um, and it's one that we're going to be talking about for years to come. Now, you know the result is obviously obviously a sad fact, but but to be honest, you know you've, you've just got to take these great games for what they are and enjoy enjoy the moments, you know, and enjoy the, the feeling that you get, the exhilaration, the highs and the lows, because that's that's fundamentally why we're here, Rich, why we why we talk about it, why we love it so much. Yeah, Can exactly, I... and the. Yeah, go, Jamie. Sorry, no, no, you go, Rich. All, all I was going to say, what a cat encapsulate that for me. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a fairly passionate uh, watcher of a game, um, particularly those tense ones. And you know, that last, sec- that second half when it was try, 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 try. You know, they score, we score, they score, we score. Um, I, I was getting pretty loud, but when they scored that last try, you know, with a couple of minutes to go, it was a Barrett went over. <laughs> All I could do was clap. I mean, it was such a clinical try, and you know the All Blacks had done yeah. it again, and it was almost a, I accepted fate. It was it was a beautiful way to finish a match, albeit the wrong way around. But it was think, just one of those games. Do you think it would have been different, Reg, if it was say, you know, a, a ch- charge down kick from Bernard Foley, or yeah, you know, exactly. someone dropped a sitter, exactly. and you know, and the All Blacks scored from? I think that I think that would really um, have a different reaction in the public to, to how it went down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, in the end, the All Blacks won. You know, we didn't necessarily lose. Go on, sorry, Jack. I agree with all of that. I just wanted to bring up the elephant in the room, which was um, Brody Retallick. Um, oh yeah, 
Hugh and I had actually had a, a bet on this and how long it would take for you to bring this up, Jamie. I, <laughs> I think Hugh might have just stuck in here. <laughs> oh, well, who, who won? Who, who had the shorter amount of time? I think, I, I think Hugh. I, I thought you might last a little bit longer. <laughs> Hugh, we're so... Hugh, we're so simpatico. You know, you just get me. You know? um, no, look, I mean, I, I, I made the huge mistake of mentioning this on Twitter, and suddenly <laughs> it's amazing how quickly the Kiwi trolls come out from underneath their bridges on the South Island to um, to tear you apart without using any logic or, or, or fact. Um, but I am so confused as to how it's true that the TMO angles were anything but brilliant and, you know, the camera didn't stay on the ruck, but it was pretty clear what happened. There were two guys in a ruck, and Retallick had his arm between Ned Hannigan's legs, lifted him as he was getting up from a ruck, and Hannigan went completely inverted, not like kind of past the horizontal. He was actually completely 180 degrees the opposite of standing up, and he fell on his head and neck region. Um, it's not clear whether his hands broke his fall, but it looks like they probably did. The referee went to the TMO and they decided that that wasn't even a penalty. I mean, I was just dumbfounded that the amount of pressure that's on anything past the horizontal and anything to do with the head, I thought that almost every ref in the world would give that as a yellow <clears throat> and quite a few would give it as a red. And the the fact that nothing happened and then Mr. Italic decided, oh, well, this is my lucky day. I'm going to shoulder charge Michael Hooper off the ball in the second half just to, to really push it and didn't get anything for that either. Like, what what is going on with that? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I got, I got a, you know, we get the uh, a lot of the rugby media releases and I guess we got one yesterday, literally about 24 hours ago, so on, on Monday evening from Sansa saying foul play committee news release and it was about Thomas Lavanini from Argentina getting um, you know uh, no further sanctions after a couple of yellow cards in that match but it, I, I sat there just waiting for the you know the submission about Brady Retallick to come in saying that he'd been cited for after the game but it never came I, I was I was legitimately surprised I couldn't believe it. Yeah I mean I agree that Michael Check has um, made a really bad habit of lashing out at the refs publicly after games. And I think that makes that when he really does have a grievance, that makes it difficult for people to hear him. Yeah. But he's not, but he's not wrong. He said, look, I mean, he was lucky he didn't break his neck and he's exactly right. I mean, when you look at it, what it looks like is 2005 and Brian O'Driscoll guy coming up from the ruck. He's been picked up by the all blacks dropped on his head. And then every New Zealander is like, I don't know what the big fuss is, mate. Like, I mean, it's just, it's totally not on. It was a, it was a cheap shot and it was lucky that it wasn't much worse. Um, yeah, you're right. L let's look at the match. And I guess one of the things we've, we've all touched on there is, um, yeah, the difference from this to, to last week. Um, now MST and his, his weekly article on the, on the, the blog site, greenandgoldrugby.com, has done his uh, Tuesday top five again. He's done a pretty good statistical analysis between the two games and there's some interesting comparisons between the teams uh, in last week and this week. But, Hugh, from your perspective, just on the face of it, what was you know, what was the decisive factor from your perspective? What stood out as the difference between um, this week and last week? I mean, obviously the defence is, is, is uh, a huge one. I think we saw just so much more um, patience and commitment and organisation in defence, especially in that 12-13 uh, channel where we saw a hugely improved performance from Beal. 
Kurundrani made a massive difference, and Bernard Foley's defensive statistics were also pretty remarkable. I think he had 14 makes and one miss, which is one miss, yeah, absolutely yep. phenomenal for for someone of his um, position and stature. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a part of it. I think um, the other thing, Reg, is, is that early intercept and those early points, which, you know, you can point to luck or you can point to, you know, a, a bit of good execution or whatever it is. I think that they were, they were really important in giving us the confidence to, to, and, that, and that self-assurance in those early stages. Because, uh, you know, uh, you, if you felt the All Blacks got, another, got an early try... It might have it might have been all too much for them, and they just needed that little bit of uh, luck, a little bit of play to break their way, and that was what that Falau intercept was, which was well, great. You know, it, so, something's finally gone our way, and, and this actually might might all you know might be our night, which which was I think a really important confidence boost. But even still, you know, uh, we not to harp on it, but you know when the All Blacks got back to twenty one seventeen from seventeen nil down. You know, mm. it, uh, I think we all thought the same thing, which was, well, the end score is going to be 36-17, yep. and exactly. it'll be, well, we gave it a good crack, but we lost, and we're still pretty, we're still miles behind. But to come back and score not one, but two all-time great tries. I mean, that Will Genia try, especially exactly. where we went the length of the I field, agree. starting out, yep. I think, with a with a, a hit-up from Isaac Rodder in our own 22, yep. and we scored at the other end, you know, some 10, 15 phases later. I mean, that, that, that was a truly special um, piece yep. of play. And um, and same with the Kirtley Beal try thereafter. I mean, that, they were... They were both really well-executed tries. So, I mean, that, that blew me away. And that was a level of ticker that we haven't seen in this side for a long time. And to be honest, it's a, it's a level of ticker I didn't think they had. So I think that's the other difference. They obviously summoned something from within them um, in those key moments that we hadn't seen before. Certainly haven't seen since the Rugby World Cup. Yeah, really good point about that Guinea try. That was I had the exact feeling. I felt the game was getting away, but the build-up and then the, the you know the, the final moment of that try was a superb effort by the team and um, a great sign moving forward. What, what about you, Jamie? What sort of stood out as your you know what was the obvious difference between this and last? Uh, just I agree with you. Basically, it was just the defence. Um, I mean, we yeah. still did miss a lot of tackles. I think we only had a completion rate of 80, 81%, which is not good enough. But it was the system was there. The guys were covering for each other. Um, half breaks weren't turning into tries underneath the posts. You know, the cover was really good. Um, I still think we are getting a bit narrow. You know, we we did ask the centres to make a lot of spot tackles, and if you look at the at the the try to Ben Smith, Beal makes a a, ba- a misread, and the last try to Barrett, Kudrani makes a misread. You know that's what happens when you're fatigued and you have to make ten decisions. You only have to get one of them wrong, and those two guys made most of the right ones. But you know, I think the system needs a bit of adjusting. But the the commitment and the passion was the the big thing that was was different. It looked like a completely different uh, unit out there as as a group of of young men. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't pick up one of the stats from MST's article is the possession, which I didn't pick up. We only had 39% possession that entire match, um, which didn't I didn't pick up during the game, but I found that quite astounding. But um, it's an interesting comparison, this article. Jump on the website for those who haven't read it yet and, and just see some of the... Uh, 
some of the similarities and some of the deficiencies. We actually ran for more metres and beat more defenders in uh, the first match of the Bledisloe than we did this match. But it, it was an amazing time, and I, I think I tweeted at the time, when you consider the, what was it, the four late tries we scored uh, in match one and the three early tries we scored in this match, there's a period there where we had scored seven tries to nil versus the All Blacks. I don't think we've, we've ever done that. Um, but it was, uh, it was a remarkable time. And I think I, again, I, I, I was intrigued. So five tries in New Zealand. And the last time we've scored five tries against New Zealand was that famous game in Sydney in 2000. Uh, you know, when we were down by 23 points after seven minutes and uh, ended up losing through a late Jonah Lomu try. But um, that was the last time we scored five tries. And the time before that was uh, the f- last time we did that actually in New Zealand was uh, 1978 when Greg Cornelson scored those famous four tries in a test match. Um, Gary Pearce getting the fifth. So and it, this was only the fourth time ever. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. We've still got to fix that defence, but it was heartening to see the attack. Um, all right, let's. Um, oh no, I've got a question for you guys before we get onto the individuals. I think that's. Oh, look, we'll play the All Blacks one more time. What can we? Where are the All Blacks? I mean, a drawn series versus the Lions. Sure, they ran up a big score against us last week, but you, you consider that second half and then this match a little bit ropey. Jamie, are they got? Are they as well positioned as we might think they are? Um. Look, they're a very, very good team. I think uh, they've just, uh, you know, that they're, they're playing some teams who are able to who are able to hit those heights occasionally. You know, the Lions just suffocated them with defence, and I think we were very clinical on Saturday and a, and a little bit lucky on occasions as well. And you know, I think any team's vulnerable to those sorts of things. And yeah, they got one or two players like Sonny Bill who you know are just not in very good form. And you know, I think. Uh, They'll now have two home games against the Springboks and the Pumas where they, you know, will probably run up a score and we'll be even, we'll be surprised that we're even asking this question <laughs> two weeks from now. All right. Well, let's move on to burning question number two there and, uh, Wallaby standouts. Um, uh, Hugh, let's go to you first. Who, who was the Wallaby that stood out most to you? Well, the guy, the guy that caught my eye the most and I think had a, had a barnstormer and was probably my man of the match was Sean McBarn. I think, um, you know, we haven't. We've been so deficient in the number eight position for, for such a long time. Um, and as much as I'm a big Cliffy Palu fan, he, you know, he he never really carried the ball with the with a level of aggression and and uh, and vigor that we've seen from people in the past. You know, going back to your Totai Kefus and and your Willie O's. Yep. And I mean that Sean McMahon performance was a real return to that vintage Australian number eight performance and. And his ball carrying, we saw glimpses of it, especially uh, in the, I think, the third test against England last year. But, you know, he's never actually had a, a prolonged period to really find form at the international level. And, and, and that performance was, was truly remarkable. I mean, some of those, some of his carries, especially in that last 10, 15, 20 minutes of the yeah. game, where he was carrying two, three people over the, over the advantage line, you know, freeing up space, um, you know, attacking around the fringes, attacking out wide. He he was just, uh, you know, everywhere in that game. And uh, one of the reasons why um, I think our performance was so pleasing and one of the reasons why it was such an improvement was that we found that forward momentum from our forwards in, with the ball in hand. We saw, and, and that was led by Sean McMahon, or backed up by guys like Rory Arnold and, and Tatafu, um, Michael Hooper as always. I mean, 
but but it was really all on the back of McMahon, and and so I think that's you know talking about his his potential clouded future, whether he's going to Japan or not, and and all of this. But but for now, let's just appreciate what was a, a fantastic performance. And if he can keep putting in performances like that, then then you know it, it certainly makes um, you know our our team look a lot more powerful in attack um, as the season goes on. Yeah, I agree. Best I've seen him play in a Wallaby shirt, I reckon. And what I liked about it was I think he was better in the second half, you know, and we needed that. We needed him to lift. He was bugging at that stage, but he, he was uh, he was immense. So well, great to see. He's, uh, he's, uh, his performance is reason why, um, you know, next year is going to be so much easier with a few tests in the lead into the All Blacks. Because yeah, I yeah. think you're looking back on that first All Blacks test and he was underdone. I mean, Karevi wasn't just underdone, yep. he was completely raw. Um, mm. You know, we had a few other guys that were clearly not quite there um, in terms of their preparation. Uh, and going into a blitters, though, you've just got Buckley's, if that's the case. And so we finally saw them get a, get a bit more up to speed, and of course the results were good. Yeah, indeed, fantastic. Uh, what about your, uh, you, Jamie? What, who, who stood out for you? Um, for me, it was the uh, the million-dollar man, Will Genia. Um <laughs> I mean, is is it 2011 again? Because he he certainly yeah. seems to think that it is. Um, there was it was just uncanny, absolutely uncanny. The the try he set up in the first half with that long run from ball that was spilt out the back looked so much like the one for Queensland in 2011 yeah. as well, turning absolutely nothing into really something. And then the one in the second half where he, he'd already looked for the gap earlier in like about four phases earlier and found it and got sort of a half break and then went again. And then just somehow there were lots of defenders around, but he just picked the right line and 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 went over. You know, he's just got a real knack for the try line. And he's obviously got this deceptive pace because um, if you think back to, to 2011, you think about both for the Wallabies and the Reds that year um, – you know, he's the specialist of the long-range try. He just seems to go through people and then put the covering defenders in terrible positions, and everybody seems to think they've got him. They're like, no, no, I've got him, I've got him. And before they know it, he's over the try line. He must be just deceptively so fast. Um, and it was the performance we needed from him. You know, he's, his form really hasn't been that good over the last couple of years, but we know that period from about 2011 to 2013 – he was just—he was just a complete weapon, and uh, it was just great to see him bringing that running game in. And the other part of it, of course, was that his service was immaculate. It was flat. It was fast. It was out in front of the man. He was fast. He was to every breakdown. He—he, he, I think, he didn't even get subbed at the end. Um, it was a—it was—it was a ten-star performance, and uh, it was just—it uh, was just superb. I thought ten out of ten. And no box kicking. No box kicking. Good to see. Yeah, so yeah, from my perspective, and, and they were great. I think they, along with the player I'm about to say, th- these guys are my top three. A couple of honourable mentions elsewhere, but Kurtley Beal was for mine. Um, one of the real standouts, and whether he was the best, but he was just he stood out for what he did this game that I didn't know he had it in him, particularly his defence. Now, it wasn't Sonny Bill's greatest performance in a, a rugby jersey, let alone the all-black jersey. He was he was pretty average, but but Bill monstered him. And, and that that tackle late in the game, 
where I think Foley might have gone low and, and Bill smashed him and got the ball away from him was was one of the players of the match. It was just fantastic. And he, he remains a, a complete danger in attack, looking sharp. Uh, you know, the line he ran for his trial was fantastic. Um, he, he's, he's obviously so enthusiastic, and I think that enthusiasm's a really important uh, sort of characteristic he brings to this team. I think the, uh, you get the sense, you listen to the players talk, they love that aspect of him, and that's really important to have that. Um, but his attack's first class, but his defence is what really um, really shone for me and, and, and uh, was was a great eye-opener. So it was, it was great to see Kurtley, you know, playing that rugby. And he was good last week, but I thought he was even better this week, which is, was fantastic because he's a crucial player. we just got to figure out which position he plays and whether he stays at 12, whether he goes elsewhere. But uh, it was it was wonderful to see. Um, lads, let's move on. We, we can't stick talking about the Bledisloe all night. Um, we we want to look... <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking, I, I actually kind of feel like stopping and going watching the game again and then coming back. But we uh, we got to look ahead, lads, and, and we got the box in a couple of weeks in Perth and obviously then the rest of the rugby championship. But do we feel this... This is the start of a resurgence. Are we getting back on track, uh, Hugh? I don't know. I mean, yeah. for all of our positive talk, um, you know, there's still some some elements there that that obviously need work. And and you know, the goal kicking's got a lot of attention. I mean, that that was that was bad. Um, the scrum obviously was you know um, below where it has been all year. And I, and again, I feel sorry for for them a little bit. But at the same time, it was a bad performance, and it was a time where we we didn't need a bad performance. I mean. I think this team has just struggled for consistency so much over the last year. Um, but, you know, I think I think it's a discussion that we can have next after the next game. You know, you, you this is this is step one, and I think we've just got to make sure we keep moving forward. Because if we do keep that form up, certainly there's a lot to like about our attack in the last two games. Um, and I, I see no reason to think that that won't continue. I think we'll be good at scoring tries through the year. And, and as we were good at scoring tries in the mid-year internationals as well, it's just about how we defend. And, you know, our discipline's been better. We haven't conceded a soft yellow card in what seems like a while. Um, there's, there's those elements that are improving, and they've got to keep improving because the Springboks are a very good side. They're not, they're not the team that they were last year. And, and they're, you know, we only just got over them last year at home, remember? So they're mm. a much improved side, and we're going to have to be on our game to to compete with them. And, and I think if we can come away with a, with a good hard win against the box, then I'm happy to start, you know, um, looking uh, ahead to the future and seeing what we can really achieve. Until then, you know, I'm not 100% sure that we can actually turn this into lasting success because I just haven't seen enough evidence that that, that game wasn't just a bit of a one-off. Yeah, good call, mate. I mean, you're right. There's still some concerns. That defence is still a worry. A lot of missed tackles still. I think more than we missed the previous week. Just we just had to make more, um, so the stats weren't quite as bad. But still, far too many misses. We may not be challenged again in attack as we, you know, as the All Blacks challenge us when we play the box and all the the Argentines. Um, but that's what we want, is it? Here, you're right. We we want we need a back to back, and until then, we can't really um, commit to anything. And you'd like to think that over in Perth, I know there's disquiet over there, and the fans are wandering. You know, 
talking about how they may or may not shove it to the ARU in that game. But it would be great to see the Wallabies really give those Perth fans something to uh, something to cheer about with a big performance over there. But uh, it's hard to say this is a, a resurgence. I, like I said earlier, it, it was that hope that it might turn things around that got me excited about this game. But I guess a couple of days into it, I'm a little wary. You know, back-to-back performances is not something we've seen for a little while now. So I can hope, but we'll just have to wait and see. What about you, Jamie? Do you see enough there to to think that it's going to lead to, um, you know, a, a continual upward motion in a, in terms of form? Uh, I'm not really convinced that it does. I think you know, individual performances. We've talked about the heart. We've talked about Curtly Beal suddenly becoming Owen Farrell in defence. <laughs> Yeah. Um, those things were all amazing on Saturday, but, but, you know, the way you get consistent high quality performance is by having systems that produce that systems that identify talent, that bring the right guys to the fore, that enable the team to put pressure on the opposition consistently. And we don't have that. The systems still have problems, you know, um, most notably in defense where we just seem to have this system that focuses on putting out fires rather than stopping them from arising in the first place. And, you know, this is a this is a year in which we saw the British and Irish Lions beat uh, the Crusaders 12 to 3, restrict the Crusaders, the Super Rugby champions, to three points in an 80-minute span. And yet we're doing everything differently and conceding five tries and eight tries the week before. And I just... I just really think that what we talked about last week, one good performance has not changed. We need a fundamental root and branch transformation of our defense. And until we have that, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep having some good performances and then some really subpar ones. Yeah, okay. We'll wait and see. The the Wallabies got the week off, I guess, as a squad. Some of them will be playing... um... Some of them will be playing NRC, which we'll talk about in a second, and, and, and others will be having a complete break, I guess. But uh, they'll get back pretty quickly for that next test, and we'll see how they go and hope what, they do continue to uh, to improve. Yep. What, what what changes do you think? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not sure what his fitness is like, but Carmichael Hunt's someone that, that we might see come back in. Um, you know, potentially, obviously, Adam Coleman comes back. I mean, are we, are we going to have to keep Ned Hannigan? It seems like, I mean, I, he, he gets through a lot of tackles and hits a lot of rucks, but I'm not sure that effectiveness is there. But it seems like, you know, Checker, Checker's chosen chosen him every time, so I can't see that changing. Yeah, look, I, I don't know. I think um, uh, Carmichael's just starting running, so I don't think he's quite ready yet. Uh, you know, the timing of the NRC is quite fortuitous, so it'll give the likes of Carmichael a, a game or so. I think they were talking he should be right for Bledisloe 3, whether it'll be picked or not, but that's about the timing of it for him. You know, you got Quaid playing, you got, uh, not that I'm saying he'll push Bernard, but it'd be good to see, you know, him and Karevi getting game time and a few of these others um, is really important. But uh, you're right, I don't know. Coleman's the standout. Henry Spade, you know, it still seems to be overlaps on his wing a bit. Um, you'd like to, I don't know, Navalo, Corabetti, these guys, I'd like to see them get a run. I'm a big fan of Navalo. I don't know if he's going to be fit um, this season again, but that's probably another position you, you might think about. I think Kurandrani's solidified his 13 jersey. Um, and like you say, Hannigan, but there's not, oh, more, I guess. You know, does it as more keep starting? And then I see Tolulatu will get some games on now, which would be really important. And, and Andrew Reddy. Moore's probably one that you'd start to question as well, perhaps. 
Um, which, which brings us to the NRC. So the NRC kicks off. The launch was today. All the squads have been announced. It's all very exciting. We've got, you know, new teams, all that sort of stuff. So the NRC kicks off on Saturday. And, um, you know, Jamie, what are you looking forward to about the NRC this year? What do you, what do you hope to get from it? Oh, look, I think it's it's actually one of the things the NRC has been great at is uh, producing talent in that little zone underneath Super Rugby and particularly young players, you know. Some of the guys who you see uh, playing in the Australian under-20s, uh, most of them are playing with an NRC team. They'll get lots of game time, and um, it's really been a great opportunity for guys to step up and say, oh, uh, not just I'm ready for Super Rugby, but, but look at me. Um, this, is, this is someone who's coming through that pathway and could be in the Wallabies in two years' time. And um, I'm just looking forward to someone else putting up their hand and doing that, you know. I think... Um, That'll be uh, that'll be great to see. You know, it's it's great to see when you see these younger players who are suddenly able to match it at the fully uh, adult level and able to run rings around them. And you can see a guy and you go, okay, he's the next big thing. Yeah. What about you, Hugh? What's uh, what's catching your eye? Couple, couple of things, Reg. I mean, and I'm probably going to steal one of yours here, but I can't wait to yep. see the new Fiji side get run around. Yeah. Um, that yep. they're going to be sensational to watch, and just seeing, you know, it's this widely talked about for years. Is that well, when are we going to have a Fijian side in Super Rugby or a Pacific Island side in in Super Rugby? Well, here's here's the start of it, and this is their first foray into a domestic competition um, in in Australia, and and I'm really really looking forward to seeing the type of players that they can put out and the type of performances they can, and whether they get, you know, it seems like they're perfectly suited to NRC Rugby, which is you know. Fast pace, up tempo. We don't have the same scoring system this year, so I don't think we'll be seeing as many uh, 46, 43 sort of score lines. Yep. But uh, it'll still be fantastic to watch. And the other thing I'm interested in, I'm not sure whether you know it's it's uh, it, it'll happen or not. But um, and and certainly something we're going to touch on in our next question. But whether the NRC can capitalise on a bit of the momentum at the grassroots at the moment, you know, whether whether we can see some slightly bigger crowds and continue the growth that we've seen in the last couple of seasons, and hopefully get those TV ratings. And those and and those a, a bit of atmosphere at the games because some some teams like uh, the Perth Spirit and Brisbane City have done it well and and some of the teams especially the Sydney teams have probably got a bit more work to do on that promotional side so hopefully um, after we saw you know uh, some some really positive results in Clubland we can see that transfer into into the NRC. Yeah, you bang on, mate. You took two of mine. So Fiji, absolutely, really exciting. Really don't know what to expect. They're all locals. Um, yeah, there's undoubted talent there, and I reckon they've been training for a little while. So I'm a little bit wary of an ambush this weekend for my Brisbane City boys. Um, but that's really exciting. It adds a, adds a whole new dimension to the the competition. Competition. But I was saying exact. I was thinking this exact same thing as you, Hugh. That it's Clubland has been fantastic this year. Will they engage with the NRC? Um, great crowds at North Sydney Oval, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Great crowds at Ballymore a couple of weeks ago for the finals. Will they come along? And one of the things that has perhaps been a preventer of that in the past is, I know Brisbane have. I, I, Perth did it last year. I think Melbourne are doing it this year as well. I'm not too sure about everyone else. Um, but it'll be free entry. The Brisbane City games at Ballymore will be free. Perth over at McGilvery Oval um, and, and the Melbourne Rising games, they'll all be free entry. So there's really no excuses for those. And I'd, I'd like to think those other you know, clubs uh, in Sydney and, and elsewhere will follow suit as well because that's, that's really exciting. We, we just want to see people seeing this and, um, and being involved. And similarly, 
um, I guess the reason I love it, and, and I was thinking about this before, and it's I love the um, I love the connection between the the, the elite and the, the grassroots, so to speak. So when Quade Cooper gets to play with Jack DeGuinden sort of thing, and, and you know how they all combine and 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 mix their game on is just I love it. It's just such a great competition. I really can't wait for it to start again. Um, this weekend, so I'm, I'm I'm off to Ballymore to watch uh, Brisbane City take on Fiji. So that's the first game. Also, the first game actually will be Canberra Vikings hosting Queensland Country. So that's at Viking Park in Canberra. That's a one o'clock kickoff. I think there's been a little bit of confusion about what time kickoff is, but I'm pretty sure that's a one o'clock. And then Brisbane City versus Fiji at Ballymore at three o'clock. So the other thing Fiji will bring is just the fan support. There's always colour and movement and, and and song, which is awesome. So that'll be a cracker. Um, Greater Sydney Rams are hosting New South Wales Country Eagles at TJ Milner Oval on Sunday afternoon at three o'clock. Um, so that'll be fantastic that both teams name their teams, both sides name their teams today, um, or at least their squads for the season. The Eagles look particularly strong. They've uh, actually, uh, Braveheart Will McDougall from the side is, is reckons they're a shorter fly half, but it's interesting to note that their fly half, Taylor Adams, just won the Ken Catchpole medal tonight. So they've got some quality there, but just perhaps not the depth. Um, and then uh, the final match is oh, for the weekend is the Perth Spirit, who are the reigning champions, of course, hosting the Melbourne Rising over in Perth. So that's uh, 3 o'clock local time, which must be, what's that? Is that uh, 5 o'clock out? I don't know. East Coast Elite time, I lose it, but... It's um, three o'clock local time, so that's a, another great game there, and a, an ironic game there between the two clubs associated with um, the axing from the Super Rugby. But uh, it, it's really exciting, and um, can't wait to see it all happening. Plenty of games on Fox Sports and all that sort of stuff. So a few new rules. I think we're we're bringing in Jamie. I don't know how you're aware with these new rules. I think they're playing in the Northern Hemisphere. We'll get them from January one around, particularly around the. Um, the playing at the ruck and the offside line and so on. How how across are you with these new ruck lines? Yeah, the, the the major one is that if you are the tackler, you then have to re-enter through the gate before you um, play the ball. So yeah. I think largely in practice, this means that the tackler won't be getting to their feet and playing the ball. In general, he'll just be getting back into the defensive line because by the time he goes through the gate and gets to the ball someone else will logically already be there, both from your team or from the other team. So it's just an effort to sort of clean up the ruck and make it easier to interpret and and have players only coming from their own side, basically. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, Well, that pretty much wraps up NRC. What about else rugby? What other rugby caught your eye this weekend, Hugh? What, uh, what captured your imagination? Well, we had the uh, the Shoot Shield uh, grand final, uh, Reg, and um, it, there's there's a really good review by uh, Nick, our producers up uh, up up on up on the the blog, and um, it was by all accounts uh, I, I wasn't there myself, but uh, by all accounts it, it was a really ripping day out with a, with a big crowd that I've seen estimates anywhere between fifteen, ten, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand people. So. 
Um, it's it's fantastic for, for, for Sydney rugby. And the, the ratings on Channel 7 were actually pretty good too. I think about 70,000 um, people watched the game on, on Channel 7. So that that's another great result for, for the Shoot Shield, who who really have, have captured, as we've discussed a few times, captured a, a, a bit of the rugby, rugby market this year more than normal. Um, which has been great to see, and, and we saw Warringa Rats break a 12-year drought, and and actually probably even longer than that, given there were some issues with the comp in 2005. But um, it, it was great to see them get up in a, in a really close encounter in in uh, at North Sydney Oval against uh, last year's champions Norths, and and it came right down to the wire. A, a late try, I think it was Harry Jones, um, really got them. Uh, in the lead, Warringah, and, and they held on with a late penalty goal, uh, 30 to 25. But um, it, it, it really uh, capped off a, a great season and um, in Sydney club rugby. And, and it, you know, it's a really interesting discussion to have about exactly why it's why it's been so successful this year, and, and uh, you know whether that is, yeah, given the sagas that we've had over the last two or three years with with the issue of club rugby funding and and this narrative that's taken hold that well, club rugby's dying and the grassroots is dying. Uh, to to have such an amazing result like that uh, is is you know completely changes changes the discussion and and you've got to start asking well you know is this something of a of a resurgence a a take back of the game by the people um, and whether it's something that the RU and and the New South Wales Rugby Union and the and and Super Rugby need to look at and see how they can kind of tap into this because um, there's certainly um, you know, something about the grassroots nature and being able to stand on the hill and have a have a beer and have a bit of rugby played down the road from you and and you know it, it's um, it, it's I don't know there's something to it that I think we've lost in the professional game over the last ten to fifteen years and that's one of the reasons why this has been um, such a such a great resurgence to see and and I know you've had it up there as well uh, in Brisbane, Rich, because the last last week the, uh, the the Premier Rugby Grand Final got a great crowd as well. crowd was about six and a half, seven, but mate, I, I, it it was nine or ten, probably closer to nine and a half. Because I I remember working that day a couple of years ago when the grand final crowd was at eight and a half thousand. That was a great crowd. A couple of Sundays ago, it was bigger than that. So yeah, it was, it was nine pushing ten. So that's that's massive stuff and and quite comparable, particularly the Sydney game with a lot of Super Rugby this year. So very interesting times, and and I think you're right in terms of. Uh, lessons to be learnt there. Uh, before we get to you, Jamie, I should mention, I think he did an awesome job covering all the bases last week. One we did, I met, a mitt was over in Western Australia, their grand final where West Scarborough got over Associates with a 27-15 win. So congrats to the uh, the Scarborough lads uh, on, a, on a, a great victory. Um, Jamie, anything from your perspective? What caught your eye this week? Oh, the, what caught my eye was... Uh... The Ohio Bobcats team that I coach uh, turned up <laughs> turned up yesterday for their their first day of regular season training, and uh, everyone got got stuck in, got totally stuck in, and it was a huge amount of enthusiasm. And uh, just as we were leaving, I heard one of the guys asking one of the other guys where he could watch some good quality rugby on TV, and the guy replied, "Look, you just have to watch Australia versus New Zealand. Everything else is shit." Oh. And I thought, yep, that guy. Heels off the top. <laughs> Good stuff, mate. I was actually hopeful you might uh, you might mention the women's World Cup only because. Oh. Um... oh, that. Oh, yeah. Okay, it, the women's it was, World it Cup. Was... <laughs> only because it was a 
pretty awesome New Zealand win. I don't know if anyone saw it. And the scenes on the highlights, gee, the skills of those those players are unbelievable. There's some incredible tries scored, so it's well worth grabbing on YouTube. Our Aussies couldn't quite match it with Canada. Um, sort of led the way early, um, but Canada stormed back in, in the second half in particular, played some awesome rugby and ran away. But a great performance by... Um, by the Wallaroos uh, in really battling up, considering we know all the um, the challenges they have from a resources and a match perspective. But uh, congratulations to the Wallaroos. Um, awesome rugby, and we hopefully we'll see more of you play. But that wasn't my pick. My pick was actually, and I said it after that Bledisloe, that it was one of the best days of Australian rugby, for Australian rugby in a long time. You, you put the shoot shield in the crowd there, you put that Wallaroo performance for the All Blacks, and you put... The, the creation of this new women's national sevens tournament uh, all together, and it was a pretty big, pretty special day. I, I got to watch a fair bit of that sevens, particularly on Saturday. I chucked it on the big screen and did a lot of sort of chores based around the lounge room, and it was great. And 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 it was on so many levels. And I know I spoke to a couple of people in the know, and they had some doubts early on that the quality might not be there, and wanted to sort of manage expectations. But it really was excellent across the board uh, from, a, from a quality of rugby perspective. And Hugh, I don't know if you caught any of it or, or Jamie where you were, but you know, th- th- there's clearly some inexperience in some of the teams and it was quite funny. One of the games, I think it might have been Canberra versus Tasmania. Canberra had the lead by five points and it was effectively full-time and they kept playing. So there, was, there wasn't that game awareness to kick the ball out and start again, but they kept running it back, running back as Tazzy were trying to score the try. So that was a little bit humorous. And there was a clear gap in fitness between the Aussie players and the others. But but it wasn't a ridiculous gap, and, 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 and which I guess even in standards and structure and skills, it was really quality rugby. And, and there was a time I was watching University of Tasmania playing University of Adelaide and going, I would never have, in, in Launceston of all places, um, I would never have, thought I'd be watching a game involving those two teams. And it, it was excellent. And, and a full credit to the coaches involved. Um, and, you know, there's some really experienced guys. The Ben Gollings of the world is a sort of legend of sevens. And Luke Burgess, who's a Wallaby legend. And and uh, James Stannard, who's obviously an Aussie sevens legend. But some real young up-and-comers. Up and Reg Taylor from University of Queensland. Um, Moana Virtue from, from Griffith University in the Sunnybank Club here. Tommy Bauer did Adelaide. Um, so, so some great, you know, that, that's a really important part too. Get some new sevens coaches into the system. Um, the referees were young women too, so that was fantastic to see them controlling the game. They did a great job. But even the commentators, and it, you know, it was sort of, I, I guess, chaired by Pat Fox and I think Marty Cunningham was the other guy from the from the ARU who were great. But Timmy Walsh got involved, Scotty Bowen got involved, Emma Tonegato and Chloe Dalton, who were both injured, got involved. And they, they were, Chloe Dalton in particular is a natural. I mean, you'd chuck her on the side of a Bledisloe match. Um, she was great. But to, to talk about the rugby, University of Queensland won it and were, were specials from the start. They were fantastic. But, you know, we had the the, the Aussie players. We had, you know, Alicia Quirk and uh, Charlotte Kaslick and, and Emma Cherry, Emily Cherry, who were superb. And Cherry in particular, I probably never appreciated because she surrounded in so much talent, but she was... She was Wally Lewis-like in what she was getting from the rest of her team. You know, she was a star herself, but what she was getting from the rest of the team was superb. So she was great to watch. But then you had that sort of next tier, the Dom Tatoits and the Demi Hayes and the Ivani Polites sort of getting chucked more responsibility. We only saw, kind of see them as bit part players behind 
Kaslik and all these, but they were having to lead their team. Polite in particular had to, was sort of the, the gun for Adelaide. And she took on so much responsibility and so much work. She was one of my, probably close to my player of the tournament. She was so fan, you know, she was fantastic and was never there sort of shirking duty. She always sort of stood up as needed. And then you've got these young people who are just part of the system, Lily Dix and Shanice Parker, who are sort of these teenagers coming through and, and, and getting more opportunities. So again, they were getting great experience. But but you talk about, and we had Tim Walsh on a few weeks ago, and he's trying to find new talent. And there is new talent. There's this Lauren Murte, or Murty plays for Tasmania, um, who's a former Oztag player. I, I did a bit of research for her. She was exceptional, a little playmaker, tough as buggery, um, fantastic skills, really you know, nippy and fast around the field. Great. You know, she is one you would, I'm sure Tim Walsh and Scotty Bowen have got their eyes on and bringing through the system. And then there's another one who was one of my favourites uh, by the name of Eva Karpani. She played for University of Adelaide. I hope I got that surname right. She's actually a South Australian, but she's had a little bit of experience. I think she's gone to a junior com games. She's a big lass. You know, she, she's built more like a 15s perhaps without being rude about it. So not necessarily the life athlete would sort of expect from these sevens team, but she can motor. She has got speed and she's got great footwork um, and good fitness. She was there. I, you know, I didn't see her getting much of a break all day. So she was fantastic. She, you know, one of those players, you just go to get to the ball and she'd make meters every time. So look, I, I thought it was a real success. Congratulations to all involved, the ARU, um, to, to Walsh and Bowen and that program, but all the coaches, all the officials, it was fantastic. And the next events at Macquarie University in Sydney um, in a couple of weeks' time, the 9th and 10th of September, I'd encourage you all either, you know, if you get a chance, get out there and watch a bit of it or just see it on TV um, or on Facebook Live. I think they are. You did a great production. They did an awesome job. It was it was so good. I, I really enjoyed it. Great quality. It's great to hear, Reg, isn't it? I mean, unfortunately, I was out and about on Saturday and, and didn't get a chance to see it. But... Um it's something I'll definitely be tuning in for, and it's a fantastic initiative, and, and hopefully it can gather some momentum as, as the word of mouth spreads. And, 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 and you know, uh, great to see that uh, that those uh, key players like your, your Luke Burgesses and your Chloe Daltons and, and you know, Scott Bowens and these 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 uh, key individuals around our Sevens program and, and legends of the game in their own right are, are getting behind it because that's the type of thing that, that can that can only help it to grow. So good to hear it went well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, we're going to wrap up. Jamie, do you have anything else, mate, you want to finish on? No, I'm good. This has been a great podcast, great game on Saturday. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Excellent. Hugh, anything else? Because I've got one more thing before we go, but I'll... I know I've been hogging the talking for a little bit, but I wanted to mention one more thing. Hugh, anything else before I've got, we go, I've mate? got one more thing. A, a shout-out to a bloke called Simon Barnett, who, who who was commented on the blog, wanted us to – I promised him I'd do a bit of a review of, of the Otago v. Canterbury Ranfurly Shield game. And, and a shout-out to all of our Kiwi listeners because um, I'm sure it's uh, yeah, the rugby tragics over there who, who – and, and the ones that are expats uh, living here in, in Simon's case. Um, thanks for listening. And we had Canterbury getting up over over uh, Otago with a last-minute try to, to keep a hold of the Ranfurly Shield, which actually um, brings me to another point, Reg. And I don't know if you can remember, who currently holds the Horan Little Shield um, in the yeah, NRC, point, the, the equivalent of our equivalent of the Ranfurly Shield? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The Horan Little Shield, who, uh, you know, obviously, who the Ranfurly 
Shield was based on. Um, yeah, New South Wales country, they beat the Rams, I think, that last round or the second last round. So the Eagles have it at the moment um, and not clear whether uh, the the, they, the Rams would have challenged them to, for the first game this week, whether they've put it up for challenge. I haven't heard that yet. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's there, another aspect of the NLC to look forward to. Can't wait. Um, Guys, now I know we're a podcast ourselves and, and we, we're not ones for promoting other podcasts, but I've come across two this week that I, I really need to, to reference. And one, Jamie, I don't know if you're already over this, but I reckon you'd enjoy, it is called the Rugby Coach's Corner uh, podcast by a guy called Andy. So Andy's an Aussie, he's a Newcastle lad, but he's living in Montreal at the moment. He's actually coaching over in Montreal, but he, he does these podcasts with coaches and so it's it's quite you know tactical and and strategic. It's not just your your firehouse your fireplace chat. Um, but I, I just discovered this week, and I'm, I apologise, I'm late to it. But they're fantastic. So this week I've already he did one with Dave Vessels. That was the latest one, which is awesome. Um, Hello he to Dave as well. Did one with uh, my... Obviously still listening. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he tweeted us once, and we're claiming him as Green and Gold Rugby's own. He's a Dave tragic. Vessels. He's a tragic. He can't get enough. <laughs> um. Uh, he, he say Andy did one with Michael Checker, which is really interesting because he did it actually before the England series last year. So it's really interesting to hear that at that time. He actually did one with one of Green and Gold Rugby's own Scott Allen. Um, but there's, there's a, you know, the whole back catalogue. I, I think it's fantastic. So it's called the, the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. Really worthwhile, um, doing. I, I love listening to coaches speak and it's, there's some very specific topics, but, Worth if if you're that way inclined, get onto it. And Jamie, I reckon you'd enjoy it big time. Um, the other one is even newer than that, and it's it doesn't have any back catalogue. It probably does by the time you get this. But it's by our old mate Bo Robinson, um, and, and we all know Bo. Bo, Bo was a great Waratah and uh, a, a wonderful Red as well. But he, he's he's just starting his own podcast series called A Yarn with Bo Robbo. So these it's kind of inspired by the whole. Dan Vickerman situation and he he gets on old mates of his that he played with um, or against um, and and talks about their transition from playing to to post playing career his first one was a, a, a guy called Chris Ali and I don't know if you remember Chris but Chris was a, a bit of a fringe player at the yeah, Waratahs and the, yeah. the yeah played with the Reds a couple of years but a really good yeah as I remembered from the podcast he actually made the Wallaby training squad in 2007 for that World Cup on the back of the ARC you know prior to the NRC um but you know he, he like many fans his way to France quite young and it's a fascinating chat with him about his life there but the next one was Ben Darwin and you know we've had Ben Darwin on here and I'm sure you've listened to the Rugby Dungeon with Ben Darwin this is a Ben Darwin chat like you've never heard before it is enlightening what Ben Darwin has been through it, it, it is great so Bo's rough and ready if you know Bo he's a dubbo boy and he's he's as you know he's as genuine as they come and it's a but he's, he's doing this for great reasons and, and what he gets out of these guys, it's just fantastic. I think it's a, another, a different insight to rugby. It's not about who won the game that week and who scored tackles. It's about something a little bit more in-depth um, and a bit more, I guess, meaningful. So I think it's targeted elite athletes, but I'm anything but an elite athlete. So really it's right up my alley so, then. Fantastic. Uh, a yarn, exactly. A yarn with Bo Robbo is that one. So jump on those podcasts after you've listened to the Green and Gold Rugby ones, of course. But uh, that should be it. I think it's a long one tonight, but it deserved to be, guys. Uh, Jamie, thanks for getting up early once again. Oh, not at all. Uh, it's always a pleasure. 
Excellent. And Hugh, to you too for joining us. And uh, to all our listeners, as always, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, always welcome feedback. Please send it through. But get out there and enjoy your rugby this week. NRC is on. I think that might be the only rugby on just about. So get out and enjoy it. Watch it on Fox. We'll get out to the game and uh, we'll catch you all next week. Heels off the top. Larkham. Herbert smashes through the middle. Regan. Drop goal from Larkham. Up it goes. Could you believe it? Larkham has to be a de Beer.